I'm very excited about today's episode of Imperfect Action. Zach Mercurio returns to talk about finding and living your purpose. Now, this is an important topic that clearly resonates with a lot of people out there because his previous episode, episode 30, is the fifth most downloaded episode of Imperfect Action. Now, this time around, we discussed the importance of focusing on contribution over results. There's a paradox in there that by focusing on results, it inadvertently prevents us from getting our results. We also discussed the correlation between purpose and resilience, about developing the skills behind being purposeful. We talk about purpose as not just being this thing that happens to you, but there's a distinct skill set that anyone can develop to help find and live in their purpose. And then part of that skill set is questions to ask yourself each and every day to help discover your purpose. Now, this is, uh, I mean, this summary just doesn't do Zach's thoughts and insights justice. So if you're interested in discovering and activating your purpose, give this episode a listen and, and please share it with others. So get ready to play bigger, do better, move the world. Let's get started. Welcome to Imperfect Action. This is Brock Edwards, and I have a returning guest today, our fifth most popular guest, uh, Zach Mercurio. Uh, Zach, you want to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're up to. Yeah, I'm so glad to be back. I had a lot of fun last time, and I study how people come to experience and enable purpose in their own lives and then for the people around them. And so, I'm an affiliate professor in the Center for Meaning and Purpose in the Department of Psychology at Colorado State University. And then I also do a lot of consulting and speaking work, helping both individuals and organizations really discover and activate purpose to help people experience meaningfulness, to ultimately help people thrive and flourish and be resilient in, in work and life. So what was the name of the center that you're, you're at again? It's the Center for Meaning and Purpose. All right, nice. Because, I mean, this is like really a thing, um, you know, not, not just <laughs> something that, that we like and, and that we talk about and you hear people talk about purpose, but something that's actually being thoroughly, thoroughly studied at, at a scientific level. Oh, yeah, it, it, it's a thing. I mean, if you think about it, it's, it's one of the unifying things for all human beings, right? That we are, we're sort of inherently purpose seekers by default. And we're wired to ask that bigger why question. And when we do, we become better. When we look at neuroscientific research, we find that people who think about helping another person or their impact on another person, or they actually help, they get uh, this boost of neurotransmitters that help them feel better, move better, and, and do better at whatever it is that they're doing. We know that having a high sense of purpose in life, of, of thinking about your life in terms of contribution, correlates with lower mortality rates, lower risk of dementia, uh, cardiovascular health. There's this whole series of purpose in life studies that just wrapped up that uh, has found that you know purpose and having a sense of purpose may have neuroprotective qualities in our brain. That just basically means the neural pathways that uh, make everything else happen are more resilient to uh, 
disease. And we don't know why yet, but we know that uh, that purpose seems to be a central hallmark, a unifying trait of our species. And when we can activate it, people tend to flourish. So question for you then, Zach, purpose, how, how are you defining purpose? Just kind of what's the, the working man's definition? The reason for which something is done or created, uh, the reason for its existence. And if you think about the crux of that definition, which there's nothing really like incredibly scientific about that because it comes from Webster's Dictionary, but the crux of that definition is usefulness, the reason, uh, some sort of mobilizing force so that we can contribute in some way. And so I liken this idea of purpose to contribution. And when we look at the studies on purpose, the reason it has the benefits that it does is that it lifts our eyes off of ourselves and activates arguably one of the most powerful things or phenomenon in human life, which is self-transcendence. That means the object of your everyday behavior is outside of yourself. And ironically, the self becomes better. All right. So I love irony and paradox. Tell me a little bit more about that. (laughs) Well, you know, interestingly enough, I'll give you an example, a very practical example. I get a lot of people on LinkedIn who tell me they're results-driven professionals. Like they message me and you can see it in their LinkedIn profile. And I'm often like, results of what, right? We're in a culture, for example, look at the Declaration of Independence, the pursuit of happiness. I mean, we pursue these things, these achievements and what those are, even happiness is a resultant condition. It result, is a result of something. It's a resultant state. And we have this weird thing as human beings of trying to achieve a result by pursuing a result versus achieving a result by pursuing a contribution. But ironically, when we pursue our contribution, our cause, the effect follows. And we see this, you see this cycle when, when we think about um, the, the impact of self-transcendence, the impact of contribution. And you look at it from a business standpoint too. The businesses that were the most resilient, for example, through the recession, are businesses that relentlessly focused on their contribution, to, re, remained focused on their contribution to the end user, to the customer and trusted that the effects would follow. And that's, we know that purpose cultivates grit and resilience. Angela Duckworth's book called Grit found that people who have a higher level of resilience, that correlates to having a a higher sense of purpose. And it's one of the only correlates with uh, resilience. You know, we don't, there's no uh, link between happiness and resilience. There's no link between pleasure and resilience. And we know that things will go bad um, and purpose helps build the resources so we can respond productively when they do. And we get the results by focusing on contribution. So that's the irony is that we want these results. We want these achievements, but we focus on getting the thing versus the contribution that results in the thing. So a bit of a, um, a myopic cycle. I guess, um, where, yeah, because that makes, it it actually makes sense because I want results. So I should focus on, you know, getting the results. That's pretty straight line thinking. So how do we break free from that to where we can step back and go, okay, no, the results are just the outcome. Um, someone, someone else has, 
phrased it as, you know, my job is to focus on the action, not the outcome. And I think I just butchered what they said, <laughs> but, but the idea, yeah. focus on my contribution, what I can put forth and, you know, the outcome will happen as, as a side effect of that. But that's not linear thinking. So how do we make that leap to, I don't focus on the thing I want, I focus on this other thing to get me what I want. Yeah, I think that it comes down to the skill of systems thinking. And that's why I think purposefulness is a skill set that we can learn. And systems thinking is the ability to see the whole, but then see the parts and how each part is necessary for the whole. I mean, we live in systems all the time. Your line for coffee is a system. Uh, Every input you have into the world physically, scientifically, has an infinite effect. Purposeful people tend to take responsibility for the effects their inputs have. And they focus on these inputs every day. Uh, and the links between input and effect, you know, it goes back to, you know, kids are really good systems thinkers. It goes back to thinking about like what we learn about initially in science, which is cause and effect, right? You can't have an effect without some sort of cause. Everything that's in motion is put in motion. And so uh, it goes back to thinking like that again, like knowing that everything that we want or desire there's, it's attached to some action. You know, one of my favorite quotes by an author is Emily Dickinson. And she said that the future is composed of nows. It is. Like we try, we try to predict the future. We try to manufacture the future by focusing on the future versus focusing on how we approach right now. But ironically, again, the irony, our future is the accumulation and the average of how we approach now. So a purposeful perspective is being able to see and imagine the inevitable impact that your inputs into the world and other people and every day will have while you're doing it. So it's not a discrete task. In like the work motivation research, this is called task identity. So knowing how a discrete task fits into some bigger whole and being able to identify those links We know that if people have a good sense of task identity, that they're more likely to experience meaningfulness and internal intrinsic motivation. So that's an example of how the systems thinking can play out just when we're doing a task. So what's interesting to me right now is we're 10 minutes into a conversation on purpose and we have almost not talked about purpose, Um, at least not the way most people would think about it. You know, we've talked about self-transcendence and systems, task identity, skill sets. (laughs) And and so I, I, I love that because it is such a different way of looking at it. I mean, I think it's easy to get caught up in a loop where we say, oh, you know, we, you should have purpose, you know, you need to be purposeful, you know, your life should have, you know, your career, all that, and get really focused on this amorphous blob out there in the future of what we should be doing without knowing really what that is for us. And you've broken it down into something that, that's far more practical. Um, you know, it's not kind of lights from the heavens, but more of, okay, here's the specific actions that I need to be taking um, or could be taking. So if it's a skill set, if we can think about purpose as a skill set. What are the, the, I guess, what are the, the component skills that help us be more purposeful? I think the first thing, and this is something that I've been thinking about regularly now and, and recently, because I have a near kindergartner 
right now who's asking a lot of questions and it has a lot of opinions about things. And one of the things I have noticed is that the scarcest resource we have as human beings is our attention. So what we pay attention to is who we are because what we pay attention to is what we think about. Our thoughts are our world, you know, the Norman Vincent Peale, power of positive thinking. Our thoughts are our reality. Our thoughts are our world. So one of the things I think is so powerful is the art of questioning the questions we ask ourselves and other people ask us and we ask other people, the art of questioning, when we ask good questions, we can really direct our attention. I'll give you an example. My poor kid has me for a dad. And so I did an experiment on him recently. Now, he did not like getting up and going to preschool. Did, 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 just didn't like it. You know, would complain about it, wanted to sleep, which is funny for a five-year-old. And he was getting, his attention was focused on the negative things he didn't like doing. So at the end of each day, I just started asking him two questions. Uh, The first question was, who did you help today? And the second question was, who helped you today? Now it was non-punitive. So he would come home from school. The first day I asked him, he was like, I don't want to talk about it. He ran around and threw something. The second day I came, you know, I asked him again, non-punitive. And, you know, he started sort of mumbling some answers. And then about a week passed. And one day he came home and I said, who did you help and who helped you? And he said, oh, Liza helped me. Uh, this person in his class helped me pick up the toys. And then he talked about him helping her pick up toys. And then uh, a few weeks ago when I, I didn't even say anything, he came home and he said, uh, oh, daddy, he saw me. And he said, daddy, I, you know, I, I can't think of who helped me today. I'm going to have to look harder tomorrow. And I love that. And over time, right? It was non-punitive. I asked questions. And this probably took about a month to get to that point. But all of a sudden, the questions that he was asked regularly focused his attention on something that mattered. So like, what are the questions you ask yourself every day? At the end of your day, like, and we ask ourselves questions all the time. What do I have to do tomorrow? <laughs> you know, like before we go to bed or what, what's on the calendar tomorrow? Can you imagine if your thoughts were a motivational speaker? And it was like, okay, what do you have to do tomorrow? What do you have to get through? How are you going to get through that meeting? Um, That's a very result-oriented way of thinking because we're thinking about getting through the meeting, getting through the day, which is a result. Simple things, like at the beginning of a day asking, how is what I'm going to do today going to impact other people? Uh, Before you go to bed, when you look at your calendar, remove your attention from, okay, what's happening tomorrow towards what impact can I make tomorrow? Whether you're going to a doctor's appointment or wherever you are. And all of a sudden, what will happen is that you start focusing your attention on the things that actually matter and give meaning to life. Well, you know, Zach, so what you're talking about there is, yeah, when we tend to think of our next day, when we tend to start planning through it in our brain, it's very, at least for me, very task focused. You know, here's the stuff I need to do. This is what I need to think about, the problems I need to solve. But everything that you're talking about is very human focused. Mm-hmm. And it's others focused. And so that makes me wonder, is, oh, yeah. is purpose always about other people? And I know always is a tough word, but so let's go with uh, mostly. Well, no, and yes. <laughs> Excellent. So I know you like paradoxes. That's right. So tell yes, me more about because, this. Yes, because 
purpose is that that usefulness, right? That contribution. No, because you wouldn't be able to contribute if you didn't know how you contributed. So what gifts you had. So I see purpose as the place where your resources, your strengths, the intersection of what you love to do and what you're good at actually overlap with the impact that you make. You have some unique purpose resources, the things you love doing every day, the things that you're really good at, the talents you have, and where those meet human needs throughout the day is like your unique fingerprint. That's where purpose arises. So I don't think you can just look outward to discover purpose because it will be only one half of the equation. You have to know yourself. You have to cultivate space to grow your strengths. You have to take care of yourself. But when, when, when we're thinking about like you gave the task example, right? What do you need to be able to have to be able to do a task? Well, you need to be able to have energy to do it. But oftentimes we focus on doing the task, but we don't equally focus on cultivating the energy to do it. I often say this is like when we, when we obsess about skills and I have organizations that are obsessed with skills-based hiring now, and I always say skills without the energy to use them are useless. Well, there's, there's certain things we know about energy. Uh, energy is code word for motivation. And we know that no human being has been sustainably motivated by doing things, doing more things. That's not what internally motivates us. People are internally motivated by things that matter to them, by things that matter, by seeing their significance, by understanding how their strengths make a difference, by understanding how what they're doing makes a difference. So I advocate for using purpose because it's other centered to cultivate the energy you need to actually do the tasks and get the results. So by no means am I saying doing things and getting results is not important. It's vitally important. It's just, we need energy to do it. And oftentimes we don't cultivate the energy to do it. And we do, when you do a bunch of stuff without energy, the end outcome of that, and you can follow this to its end is burnout, frustration, cynicism, um, all of the things we find when people do a lot, they achieve a lot, but they don't cultivate the internal energy along the way and maintain the meaningfulness as they learn and grow and work and live. All right. right. So building on that idea then, Zach, you know, you mentioned that, so purpose is a skill set. One of the skills you mentioned, um, or at least alluded to was the questions that we're asking ourselves and, Mm. and focusing toward impact there. Now, if purpose is a skill set and many, many, many people are living without purpose, either they don't know they should have purpose or haven't figured out what it, what it is yet. Can um, I say yeah. something there? Yeah, please. I don't think anybody is living without purpose. Mm. I think some people choose to recognize it. Okay. I, I, I was thinking about this. I just came back from a bike ride, actually. I do a long bike rides and I think about things. And I, I, I had this thought that so many people are searching for meaning, spending so much time searching for meaning or purpose. Um, and in that time that they're searching, they leave no time left for creating it, discerning the purpose that's already there. I mean, people matter by default. You can't not matter from a systems perspective. So it's just about taking a step back and recognizing that you do matter, that you're in and of this system. I don't, I think that there's, everybody's living with purpose. 
I think that some people have learned the skills to discern it and recognize it and focus on it. Sorry, I just, I wanted to pipe in there. No, good, good clarifier there. And it doesn't change the question, which was, is really so, if we're seeking it and it's a skill set, how do we develop the skills or how do, I mean, like if we're seeking it and we don't have it, to me that says that we don't have the skills or we're applying the skills we have incorrectly or in an ineffective way. So yeah, how do we retool that skill set? And it's probably harder when, when you're retooling, I would think, than when you're just creating new skills. So yeah, I, think, I, th- I think you have to, sorry, go ahead. Do you want to, no, you, no, I, I was yeah. realizing that there wasn't really a question mark <laughs> at the end of all of that. It's just kind of wondering yeah. aloud, you know, okay, how do I redirect myself? <laughs> you know, how do I take the skills I have and make them more effective at helping uh, enable my purpose or, or living? Yeah, that's great. So, I, I mean, I think one of the things that we need to do is like, for example, Research finds that we're more likely to do something when we track it. I mean, that's why there's the rise of like the Fitbits and the fitness trackers and things like that. We tend to, we tend to track these things that are really overtly obvious, like fitness. And I mean, you can see when you're physically fit. It's very, it's in front of you. But some of these more, inter- this internal work, we tend not to want to apply that same thinking of habit formation to internal work like purpose or meaning or vulnerability or authenticity but one of the only the sole medium of being purposeful is habitual is our habits the things that we do every single day so one way that you could do this is if you just think about this podcast for example and we've talked about what purpose is, the reason for which something is done. We've talked about, well, my opinion on being purposeful, which is contribution-centered thinking, being, and doing. And if you just ask yourself, if I were approaching my life where I am at, because you're a context expert in your own reality, if I were being purposeful, what would it feel like to me? And think about that. Like, think about what, what would it feel like? What would I be feeling? I may be feeling inspired. And then for each of those feeling qualities, ask yourself, who would I need to be to feel inspired? Well, I may need to be appreciative, for example. And then for each of these being qualities, ask yourself, what would I need to do to be appreciative? Well, at the end of each day, I may have to reflect on the impact that I made each day. Now, when you get to that third column, those are your purpose behavioral indicators. Those are the behaviors that say to you, hey, I'm being purposeful in my life in that way. And those are the things that I really recommend people write down and they start tracking in a non-punitive way, just like I did with my son and turn those into questions. Did you reflect on your impact today? Did you approach your tasks by asking yourself what would happen to a human being if I did not do it? Did you um, sit down and and reflect on your strengths and how you're going to use your strengths today in the context you're moving into? And when you turn those behaviors into questions that you ask yourself every day in a non-punitive way, you'll be able to track your progress. And then, and then what will happen over time is you'll develop habits that are purposeful. And that's what really unlocks the benefits of purpose. Not going through like a find your purpose, purpose statement exercise, although that's helpful. It's the habit of purpose that makes it real. Does that help? <laughs> It does. It does. In fact, you started to touch on identity there a little bit and I, another conversation that I love to have, but we won't go down that rabbit hole. Uh, today, when we talk about who, who we are being, 
And mm-hmm. um, anyway, I could totally sidetrack both myself and you down that conversation. So n- another conversation for another day there, but uh, it does take it. I, I, I like how this, this is helpful to me, how we've gone from just the, the very practical definition actions, but now we are getting into the, who are you being, which is something much deeper, but then kind of tracking that and doing it on a, a consistent basis. Uh, you know, you, you use the word habitually. So I, I want to hit you up with just some questions here on how how purpose relates to things or, or how do we deal with purpose? And, and so um, hopefully these, these should just be quick, short questions, but they may go much deeper than I'm anticipating. Okay. So <laughs> anyway, um, you know, purpose and accountability. And I think you've touched on that a, a little bit, but purpose is often, I, I think, generally thought of as a looser thing than how you've, you've defined it, which is I like how you've brought it down real. But so how do we fit accountability in living with or uh, enabling our purpose? When you say accountability, can you just share what you're thinking of? Yeah, and you may have already touched on it with this idea of just the the, the tracking, the non-punitive tracking there. But um, I guess I, I I'm thinking. Are you, talk, yeah, are you talking about accountability for us well, to I, live with purpose or others? I guess both. And, okay. And so, so this is probably yeah. two or three questions here in there. So you, you've you've already touched on you know how do I create accountability for myself, um, but then. If I am, and you mentioned you work with businesses, you know, so if I'm a, I'm a, a purposeful leader, um, how can I hold people accountable in a way that doesn't contradict or doesn't run against helping enable their purpose? Mm. So I think that one of the key practices is making sure that we recognize humans as individuals with individual values with that unique intersection of where your strengths make an impact. You know, I've done like 10,000, over 10,000 purpose statements where I have people really reflect on where their strengths are and how that strength strength positively contributes to other human beings. And they write these purpose statements out of it. And it it's not like the end-all, be-all purpose statement. It can change daily depending on how your strengths impact other people. But the key is to get the language out there. And even if I'm working in the same occupation, I never see the same one. I've never seen the same one. Even people with the same job, the same role. And I think this speaks to this idea as your your purpose, your unique impact, the way your strengths meet up with human needs is like your fingerprint. Therefore, the values through which you deliver that purpose, the values that keep you on purpose might be a little bit different than your team or organization's values, which is okay. But I think as long as your performance evaluation plans and reward structures are rewarding for those values and and having regular conversations, a cadence of accountability, that regularly we can ask questions about those values in action um, and where those values may be misaligned with your actions. I think we start to redirecting attention. For, For example, I was just working with a client this morning and one of the things they had talked about activating their purpose and mission and vision and values and all of that in the organization, how do you get that to be real and not just an exercise? And I just asked if they could show me their performance management plan. And it was all about competency. 
So like we measured their competency to do their jobs, but we, they weren't measuring values alignment, um, alignment with their own purpose, purpose delivery. And so I think that's where we can, we, we get off track is where we start measuring and holding competency accountable, but we don't hold values alignment and purpose delivery accountable. An example of that is you might, again, the questions we ask, you might ask yourself in a performance evaluation, if you wanted to do this organizationally, here are the core of our core values, you know, have people self-evaluate which, which actions are they enacting that may be in misalignment with a, one of those values and what do they want to work on to bring themselves into alignment? Because then you or the other person doesn't become the boss of that person the values do, the, the purpose does, the, the bigger mission and how we get there does. So I think it, it goes back to those questions we ask. Another question then, purpose and calling. You know, some people say, you mm. know, you don't seek an occupation, don't seek a career, seek your calling. Are they the same thing? I'm, I'm suspecting the answer is no based on what we've just talked mm. about, but I could be wrong here. Yeah, the way that I have heard these things defined is that your calling, what what you're what you're called to do, can be formed through your awareness of your purpose. But I don't think, for example, a calling is a career, right? Or a calling is a job here's my perspective. Can I give you my opinion and not like oh, absolutely. scholarly or theological opinion? I really believe that, that where we are is where we're called to be. So like where we are is where we're called to be. Where we are is where we're called to bring our unique strengths into that moment. You know, like my grandfather always says, he's 97 now. He always says to me, how do you improve the moment? And I feel like how I use my strengths to do that, that is a calling. You know, I'm called to do that in every moment. I think purpose, the intersection of strengths and impact can inform our understanding of that concept of calling. And then vocation or vocations, because that comes up often, are usually the things that we do to deliver our, our purpose and to deliver that calling. Um, and you can have a vote, your, your vocation can be anything. It cannot be, it doesn't have to be a job. So that's how I've come to understand it. Is that I think purpose informs this pursuit of calling, but my, and it helps give us the self-knowledge of where we're called to. My definition is that I think we're called to be in every moment. I think calling is crafted, not found. Yeah. So, I mean, th- this is, this is interesting and, Maybe it's where, like the way you describe purpose is, is very practical. And I, at least in my own experience, my own mind, um, you know, I think I've confused the two in the past before because calling seems very big, you know, like life purpose. Yeah, like one singular kind of, kind of big. But when we're talking about purpose, we're not talking necessarily singular. I can be purposeful in any moment. I can engage my purpose in others regardless of what the task at hand is, at least as I'm understanding this conversation. So am I on the right track there? Yeah. And I'm glad we're moving here now, like in this conversation and and based off our other episode too, because I spend so much time talking about 
being purposeful because I think the ability to discern and understand your own significance and to be able to realize your capacity for significance right now is the prerequisite to understanding your purpose. I do think people have a unique purpose. For example, my purpose is to help people realize their own significance. And that stems back to when I was a five-year-old kid, the youngest of three brothers, desperately searching for attention and significance in my own life. And I tried to acquire and achieve things to give me significance, to help me to get to the same level as my brothers. I, I tried sports I didn't even like because of what, how it would make me look. Psychologists call those self-image goals. And we know that self-image goals lead to depression, anxiety, because um, your identity becomes hinged on you being good enough, right? My reflection on that story has led to my purpose of one of my strengths is to condense a lot of research and communicate to people uh, to, to think in systems, you know, like I'm really good at booking flights and to break things apart and, and think in systems. And the intersection of those, those passions and talents with the impact I want to make to others is make sure that five-year-old Zach knows he's significant. That's informed my purpose, right? But I first had to know that I was significant, that I mattered, that I had strengths right now. And I think that that is often what's missing in the purpose conversation is we go right to stating a purpose when a lot of people don't realize that they actually matter now. And so all of the stuff we've talked about, about being purposeful, I think leads us to this place about how can we use that self-knowledge that we gain along the way? Because there are themes there of what you love to do and how it makes an impact to then start defining and crafting a purpose. So significance then, let's talk about that for a little bit because, you know, so if, you know, we, we've all lived our, our lifetimes to wherever we are right now. And if we're not aware of our significance or we're not aware as how deep our significance is, how do we shift that? How do we become aware? How, how, how do you help people uh, connect to their significance? And again, and it, this might be annoying for people, but it goes back to asking the questions, right? I mean, like I, when I teach a class, I teach this class on leading with purpose at the university I teach at. And I have the students every, every day write down three lists. What did I love to do today? What was I good at today? And how did I positively contribute to human beings today? And at the end of seven days, they already have 21 lists. And what they'll find is they're going to, you're going to find themes. You're going to start repeating things. You're going to start seeing your contribution right in front of you through the data you've just collected about yourself. And it's really powerful. Or asking someone or yourself writing down to think about the moment in your life where you most believed that you mattered. I think the most critical part is not someone like me or someone giving you, telling you you matter or a boss or an organization telling you you have purpose. Prescriptive purpose doesn't work. People have to give themselves their own evidence of how they matter. And it goes back to being a story collector, collecting those stories of when you have made a difference, even if it's as simple as getting up today um, and calling a friend and being there for them that's valuable data about yourself that can give you evidence that you matter no matter where you are in, in life. So I really invite people to do that, to think about that in a, in a positive way. That's really hard to do as human beings because 
we have this part of our brain called the amygdala. It's a little like walnut shaped thing at the bottom of our brain that just helps us survive. And it's very powerful. It helps us to find threats and eliminate those threats and preserve our comfort, which is often how we start days and end days and approach stressful situations. But we have to learn to override that and start thinking about the things that are life-giving, the way we matter, um, so we don't get stuck in a negative cycle. And I think it goes back to really devoting some time to think about and give yourself your own evidence of your mattering or ask a friend, ask someone else, why are you friends with me? You know, why, why, how do I benefit you? How do I contribute to your life? And you'll find there's unique things that you didn't even know about yourself because your brain didn't let you. And there's some great data there that can inform your sense of purpose. You may have already answered this a little bit, Zach, but how do how does someone know if they're on the right track towards purpose and owning their own significance? Because you mentioned well, we, can, we, we can get sidetracked by putting our significance in things outside of us that, you know, <laughs> and it doesn't work out that well for us. So how do, how do we know we've got ourselves directed in the right way? Well, I'll tell you what's helped me. And one of the, and first of all, I don't think there's any one singular right path. Uh, I think purpose is a developmental trajectory, meaning our experiences of being purposeless are just as valuable as experiencing our own significance because they lead us to that way. It's like the research on resilience, right? What's interesting is that people who have pleasurable lives are not resilient. It's the experience of trauma actually that results in building the resources for resilience. So avoiding the wrong path is not a good approach. I would not, I would not uh, advocate for trying to find a perfect path to purpose. How do we know we're not like, we're not getting there or syncing up or understanding this? I think the big danger, and this is something that we have to really be conscious of, is that are we living our own purpose or someone else's purpose for us? Uh, what's, what is often called in the, in the literature and in sociology, default purpose. Like for example, we get default purposes all the time by society based on gender and other identities, like, or even talents, like you have this talent, so this is your significance. We get told what our significance should be. And we could go down long, arduous, uh, frustrating paths, career paths, sometimes five, 10 years living someone else's purpose for us, ourselves. So I think we have to just stop and ask um, regularly is, is, and you know, decisions I think are the best place to do this because I think decisions are always, they always teach us what we value. And I, and I often say, you know, what we risk reveals what we value and I think when we're in decisions, it's always a values-based decision. We're always valuing something over something else. And ask yourself in decisions, is this what somebody else says I should do? Or is this truly what aligns to my own sense of significance and my own strengths and my own passions and my own talents? And I think that's the one danger to going off on a different path is somebody else telling you what your purpose is. All right. Love it. This is that great conversation. Thank you. And I, I mean, talk about purpose for a long time. I love the topic of purpose and I love how hard you have thought about it. And 
So where can people find you? If they want to learn more about you, where can they track you down? Well, I'd love to connect on LinkedIn. I do a lot of I do a lot of writing on LinkedIn uh, and I'm just Zach. It's Zach Mercurio. You'll find me there. And then I also write, I'm going to be writing more at ZachMercurio.com. And when you're there, I write a monthly, semi-monthly newsletter called The Spark. And it's all about purpose, meaning, meaningfulness, and really living, thriving, flourishing lives and enabling that for other people. Uh, you know, I talk about leadership a lot, but I think leadership is just anytime you have the opportunity to influence another person, which is all the time. And so, uh, I, I really love doing that and I love the conversations that come from it. So I'd love to have you as a, as a subscriber. I really don't have anything to sell you, but it's just opening up the conversation of, of, cause this stuff is messy and it's hard. And as much as I talk about things, as if I have it figured out. The reason why I like coming on these types of podcasts is because as I'm talking about this to myself, I'm thinking, I really need to do that today. (laughs) I really need to ask those questions more. I haven't been doing that. So it's a constant cycle. You know, even the guy who researches purpose and meaningfulness, just like any habit has to develop and maintain the habits of being purposeful and discerning meaningfulness. So what is one purposeful habit you have that you haven't shared with us already? Oh, that's a great question. A purposeful habit I have that I have not shared with you already. Because you've talked about several habits that we could do, but what's one thing that you bring into your own life? Mm. Well, one thing is that I particularly, there's certain things I don't like doing, <laughs> right? Like there's certain things that are unpleasant tasks in life. And one thing that I do do is before I'm about to do something, I, and I, I, me, I have mentioned this, but I haven't mentioned what I do. I do think about the other person at the end of what I'm doing. So for example, I don't like email all that much. I get overwhelmed by it. I get stressed out about, I think about it. I obsess about email. And sometimes I get emails that, you know, things that I disagree with. And one habit I've been doing is before I respond to an email, I just take about five seconds and I I write the response. And then I step back and I take a couple breaths. I reread the email and I ask myself, will this email regenerate the other person at the end of its energy? Will it regenerate their energy or will it extract from it the way I'm responding? And that is like, it's like a five second little thought. I mean, has dramatically changed how I communicate with people. And and now I can't not do it, right? I can't not think about it. And so I tend to do that with tasks. I take the task captive and it's something that I've, I've really... Uh, worked on. And that's a small, tiny one that has to do with responding to emails, but you could apply it to any unpleasant thing you have to do during your day. Because the one thing, and I don't want to leave on this, but I guess we might, is that purpose does not equal pleasant all the time. All right. So let's not leave on it. And since you just requested it, because I actually did have a question about that, that I, I just 
didn't ask because we covered so much else, but you know, so how does purpose relate to like really sucky work days or days in general? I mean, not every day is a good day. Not every day is a good day, but in every day we, we either have the opportunity or we contributed in some way. I mean, I think every day, no matter how bleak the outlook is for that day, that there's, that's, I think that's the one commonality is there's always an opportunity to contribute. And uh, just thinking about that, no matter what's happening, like for, I had, I just had a bunch of uh, speaking gigs and work canceled. Um, and today, and I was going down a negative spiral. And if you think about the negative emotion you experience and follow it to its behavioral end, it's usually never good. So just taking captive of that spiral and thinking, okay, what can I do to contribute today? Um, even as the result of that. And I just spent an extra time in a meeting with somebody, a meeting that I didn't want to have, just asking them about how they were doing in their career. And it was not part of the meeting. And so, um, yeah, that's just a very powerful, powerful way to take those tasks captive. All right, nice. So we turned it around. We finished on an up note there. Thank you. You bet. And so, um, well, kind of in the same finish on an up note, you know, question I always have, and you answered this before, but you may have a different answer this time around, is how can the listeners help you? What would your ask be of them? Oh, my ask would just to, 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 be, to spread this message, you know, to help make purpose practical. You know, one of the, you know, I, I wrote a book, couple of years it's from your life work and organization with the power of authentic purpose. And there's some real tangible exercises in there. And, you know, I think that if, if someone, you know, around you is just kind of struggling, maybe try asking some of those purpose questions. Like when do you feel like you're significant? When have you felt like you have mattered and you'll be surprised. Or my favorite is in the last seven days, which moment has given you a sense of purpose and why? And um, I think just being a conduit and being someone who gives meaning to others is really powerful. So I, I hope that you'll join me on that because I often say that, um, you know, we can be meaning givers. We can give people, show people the evidence of their mattering. And I think if we create communities locally that know how to do that, whether it's your family, your friends, your workplace, I think that... Um, I think that we'd all be better for it because I do think one of the root causes of, of a lot of what we're seeing right now as a society is that people want significance. They're yearning for significance and people's competition for feeling significant is causing a lot of conflict. And so I think we need to, to, to do a better job of helping everybody realize their own significance. And I think we can all do that. All right. So no small ask of people, but actually fairly simple to do. Fairly simple. Very simple, actually. It's as simple as asking a preschooler two questions every day. Let's uh, mic drop it right there. We'll just end it. And thank you so much for being on the show, Zach. Yeah, thanks, Brock.